Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 52. I'd like to read the passage for us this morning and then pray. Starting in verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, Every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Father, we ask You that this morning You would be gracious to us and help us understand the riches of Your Word. Would You help us understand these parables that Jesus is teaching to His disciples would we walk away from here treasuring Your kingdom more? Would we walk away from here valuing Your Son, Jesus, like a pearl that we've been searching for our whole life? Open up our eyes and soften our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In our passage this morning, we are seeing Jesus continue on in what is called the parabolic discourse. Throughout the Gospel according to Matthew, there are five different discourses or teachings that Jesus gives. The first one that we saw was probably, if not the most famous sermon that Jesus gives. The Sermon on the Mount. The next one, what we saw, was when Jesus commissioned the disciples to go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven and to heal all those who were demon-oppressed. And now we've come to the third discourse, the parabolic discourse, where Jesus is teaching what the kingdom of heaven is like. Last week, we saw Him teach the importance of scattering the seed on the soils. Why He lets the weeds grow with the wheat. And that the kingdom of heaven grows 
a little bit different and a little bit slower. and Maybe the kingdom looks a little bit more insignificant than what we give it credit for. This week, however, as Jesus is continuing, He is about to show us what happens when a person comes into direct contact with the kingdom. How a person should respond when they come into contact with the kingdom. Why a person should respond the way they should when they come into contact with the kingdom. And what they do when they come into contact with the kingdom. There is a man in the early 20th century named Martin Lloyd-Jones. He grew up in Wales, the United Kingdom, shortly moved to London. At an early age, he showed a knack for academics. He showed an aptitude for brightness which eventually led him to become one of the youngest people to go to medical school. Eventually, his talents would show him to be quite good, where he would catch the eye of the royal physician. He would become the royal physician's assistant. And while all of this is taking place, though, as he's going to church, as he's starting to realize that the people that he's looked up to all of his life are no different than those who are poor. He noticed that those who were rich and influential and who helped the sick and poor people were no different. They still got drunk. They still coveted things and money, they still gossiped, and they still cheated. While all of that is taking place, the Spirit is moving in his heart and convicts him so much as he repents of his sins and he turns to Jesus, he has this overwhelming thought in his mind. There are a lot of good doctors, but are there good preachers? And so here Martin Lloyd-Jones is as a young 20-something-year-old, the assistant to the royal physician who gives it all up to go and proclaim the mysteries of the gospel. As he gave all of this up, the very thing that he worked so hard for, people looked at him as if he was crazy. Why would you give up this lifestyle that you've worked so hard for to go to a small working class town and preach the gospel of all things? Martin Lloyd-Jones saw something in Christ that many of us miss. He saw a treasure in Christ that many of us miss. 
What makes something worth treasuring? Let me ask that question again for us. What makes something worth treasuring? In our consumeristic age, treasures seem to come and go, don't they? We seem to have a pretty bad understanding on what a treasure truly is. As every other year, the latest phone comes out, and that's just from one phone company. We're not talking about other phone companies. Every other month, a new TV comes out that says this will be more realistic than the last one. We are told to put our treasures in our retirement, in the things that we can save up for when we no longer have to work. And yet, isn't it true that all of those fade at some point? And so could it possibly be that we have a misunderstanding on what it means to treasure something. You see, as we come to our passage this morning and we look at it, what Jesus is telling His disciples is that the kingdom is worth treasuring. The King is worth treasuring. That the kingdom is worth losing everything for and telling everybody about. I think this morning what we'll see in three ways is this. One, what it's like for a person to find the kingdom of heaven. Two, we are to understand the kingdom. And three, that we are to then share the kingdom. So finding the kingdom, understanding the kingdom, and sharing the kingdom. As we come to our first point in 44, verses 44 through 46, we see twin parables. These aren't identical twins, but fraternal twins. What this means is they have the same meaning, but they look just a little bit different. The first parable is somebody who happens to stumble upon the treasure. He finds it. The other is somebody who goes out searching for something that is valuable, the pearls. But the meaning is still the same, that they give up all to have the thing that they wanted. And they do it so joyfully. But before we get into these parables, let's just briefly go through again, so that way we understand what a parable is. A parable is an illustration it's using a common story to explain what something is like. Think of a nursery rhyme. There's usually meanings behind what nursery rhymes are. 
But what is Jesus trying to communicate? What is he trying to illustrate? Well, he tells us the kingdom of heaven. So what is the kingdom of heaven? Simply put, the kingdom of heaven is God's rule through Christ. The kingdom of heaven is God's rule through Christ. And so what Jesus is doing is he's using stories to illustrate what God's rule is like through him. So let's look at this first parable then. As Jesus tells us, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Which a man found and covered up. This man wasn't actively searching or seeking the kingdom of heaven. He was walking through this field. And as he was walking through the field, he stumbled upon something. He saw something that was shimmering. It caught his eye. He could not look away from it. He was attracted to this shiny, glimmering object. And so he goes and looks at it. And lo and behold, what does he find? He finds a treasure. Now, I... I don't know if you know this or not, but the first century is a lot different than the 21st century. In the first century, there weren't banks for people to take their checks to. So instead, what a person did in the first century was they took their most valuable possessions, instead of bringing it to a bank for somebody to look over, They went out, they dug a hole, and they hid it. And as this man is out in the field, he stumbles upon this treasure. It was hidden. He was not actively looking for it, but he ended up finding it. And so what does this passage tell us that he does? It says that in his joy, in his joy, he wasn't trespassing on somebody's land. But in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. This was a field that could be purchased. This was a treasure that had been forgotten about, left behind. And so in his joy, he sells all that he has. He sells all of his possessions, all of them. Think about it like this. If you were out, let's say, fishing in the Fox River, and as you're fishing, you cast, and as you're railing in, you notice that your hook has caught something. Now you think it's probably just weeds or rocks, but you notice that the line is slowly railing in. As as it gets closer, you notice that it's hooked to something big. You reach down in the water, you pull it out, and it's a safe. And in the safe, you open it up because it has its key in it. And as you open it up, you see precious diamonds and rubies and emeralds in it. And so because you're a nice person, you take it to the police station, to the lost and found, and they say, in 30 days, if nobody's claimed this, you can have this. 30 days goes by and nobody claims it. 
You go to pick it up. But there's a catch. You're told that unless you sell everything that you have, you cannot have this treasure. Now you know that this treasure is more valuable than anything you have. But you think it's a strange question, and so you ask, everything? My clothes? My house? My cars? My tools? My books? My pots? My pans? Would you not sell all you have if you knew that what was right in front of you was more valuable than anything you currently had? I would suggest that you would be crazy not to do that. Would you not joyfully say, take it all. Take it all so that way I can have this treasure that I found. This is what we see in this first parable. This is what Jesus is comparing the kingdom of heaven like. But he says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant or a trader. Somebody who trades goods, who's in search of fine pearls. This man, he's a bargainer. He goes around and he trades goods with people and he has one thing that he desperately wants in his life. Fine pearls. And what does he do? As he finds one, one pearl was enough for this merchant. He found one pearl. One pearl is all it took of great value. And he goes and he sells all he has to buy this one pearl. Everything that he could have used to barter and trade with others, he sells it all, everything, to have the one pearl of great value. Do you see the kingdom of heaven like this? Do you see Christ as a treasure hidden in a field? Do you see Christ with great value? Value where you are willing to sell everything you have to have Him. Now, some unfairly look at this passage and they look at these two parables and what they ask and say, does this mean that I purchase my salvation? Surely, if these two men went out and they sold all they had to have the kingdom, then what this means is that I too must purchase my salvation somehow. That the only way in is through purchasing my way in. Some even say, quite wrongly, that the only way that you can purchase your salvation is by storing up good works for yourself. That upon one day going to judgment, that you can look at your good works that you've stored up and that you can say to God, 
Look at the good works that I've stored up for you. Look at what I've done for you. Surely I was able to purchase a piece of land in your kingdom with all of the good works that I've stored up for you. The context tells us that Jesus is not talking about purchasing the kingdom of heaven. No, man is unable to purchase the kingdom of heaven. We are morally bankrupt. Our good works offered to God is like filthy rags. Instead, what Jesus is implying and what He's sharing about the kingdom of heaven is what it's like to come to the King. When those who give up all they have to follow the King, they sell all when they come into the reality of the kingdom. They give up all for the sake of grasping on to the King Himself. What Jesus is offering is Himself for people. The kingdom is a free gift. It's a free gift to all those who repent. What Jesus is showing us here is the heart of the one who comes to the kingdom. It comes to the kingdom willingly and joyfully saying, everything that I once had is behind me. The only precious thing that I could possibly ever attain in this life is the King, is Jesus. Do we not see this in the disciples? As they give up all they had to follow Christ, do we not see this in the disciples as Christ leaves and they still continue on the mission to the point of being martyred for the cause of the advancement of the king's kingdom? Or better yet, do we not see this in the Apostle Paul as he so clearly illustrates what it's like to treasure the king? As we see in Philippians 3, as he says, I was a Jew of Jews, part of uh, the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. I was the man. And yet I look at all of these worldly treasures that I once had and I count them as rubbish. What is it? That you treasure in your life. Have you counted your earthly treasures as rubbish for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus? Many men and women have come so close to treasuring Christ and yet found it too hard because they treasured their sin more. Come to Jesus, who is the treasure who does not perish or fade. All of the things that you could treasure here on earth will fade and rust and yet we have an imperishable treasure who is waiting for us in heaven. What is it that you treasure here on earth? 
Do you treasure it and value it more than Christ? Is it keeping you from selling all you have and coming to Jesus? This is why it's important to understand what the kingdom is like. This is why Jesus goes on to tell us our second parable here. The parable of the net. What makes Jesus worth treasuring? What makes the kingdom worth treasuring? Why should I give it all up? and joyfully embrace the kingdom of heaven. We see why in verses 42 through or 47 through 50. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. And when it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad Jesus is using the illustration of what is called fishermen using the dragnet this was a method where fishermen would take the net and they would as they sail to the sea they would drag the net along the bottom of the sea floor capturing as many fish as possible and as they got closer to the shore they got closer to one another as there were two boats going out or going into the shore and they would drag the fish closer and closer and closer and closer to the shore. And as they dragged the fish then closer to the shore, they would get out and they would sort all of the fish, the good fish they would keep and sell to make a profit and the bad fish they would throw away. Jesus explains this parable for us. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. And throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The dragnet of God's judgment is silently and swiftly pulling us to the shores of eternity. And those who are found good will be kept. But those who are evil will be thrown away into the fiery furnace. There are only two places. There are only two eternal destinations. Heaven or hell. Hell. 
But isn't the question that we are asked this day, and aren't we told, there are many ways to get to the kingdom. We may look at it through different lenses of serving different gods, but at the end of the day, they all go to the same destination. Isn't that the case? Aren't we told this? That there is many paths, but one destination, and yet what Jesus, Jesus, these are the words of Jesus, not mine. He is saying that there are only two destinations. There is the destination for the good and the destination for the evil. So why give up all to treasure the kingdom? Why is the kingdom viewed as a treasure hidden in the field? Because there is only two destinations. Heaven or hell. God's judgment is real and those who are outside of Him will not make it into heaven. They will not make it into the kingdom of heaven. Instead, they will be cast out as enemies, as rebels, as those who tried to destroy His kingdom. He will pronounce judgment upon them. Those who are evil, He will throw away into a burning fire of weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is not a pleasant place. This is not supposed to be a pleasant place. This is not where this is not a place where all those who are evil get together to have some type of party. This is a place of eternal judgment, of eternal turmoil, of eternal anxiety, of eternal regret. of longing for another chance to repent and worship the King, longing to tell their families to do the same before time is too late. Do you see why the kingdom is worth treasuring? Because hell is real. And the King has been gracious enough to give you time to come to Him and repent of your sins and trust in Him as King. And He will forgive you freely. He will forgive you fully. He will forgive you as far as the East is from the West. Do you see why the man who finds the treasure in a field willingly and joyfully sells all that he has? Because this treasure is greater than the current circumstances and the future circumstances that he could possibly bear. And so it is with our eternal state. The kingdom does not fade. It does not perish. And so we joyfully sell all we have to take hold of the kingdom. To take hold of the king. But once doing that, what should I do then? What should I do with the treasure that I've found? Jesus tells us what we must do. 
he asks the disciples, have you understood these things, these parables? And they tell him, yes, we have. And so then he gives them another parable and says, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is where we think, aren't the scribes the bad guys? Is Jesus trying to help his disciples become interior designers? Scribes were the teachers of the law. They took the time to explain what the law was. They studied what it was. And so now Jesus is telling His disciples, you are to be the teachers of the kingdom of heaven. You are to be the ones to go and teach what the kingdom of heaven is like. And how are they to do that? Taking out the new treasure and the old treasure. Recently, Sharice and I went on a vacation to visit my grandparents. And as we were there, my grandpa took out an heirloom that he was given. He wanted to show it. It was precious to him. It was, it was a pocket watch that was handed down, from him, handed down to him from his, what he dubbed his second mom. He had it in a case that was in a case. He wanted to make sure that nothing happened to it, but he wanted to make sure that he sat down with me and told me the story of how he got it the preciousness of the treasure that he had, he wanted to relate to me. And so now what Jesus is telling his disciples is, you are to now take out the treasure, the heirloom, the, the preciousness of the kingdom of heaven, both the new and the old, and show it to all that you can. Just like a homeowner takes out their heirlooms and shows those that are over, and tells the story of the heirloom, whether it is new or old. The disciples are now to do the same. They are to teach and explain the treasures of the kingdom. They are to show how the Old Testament prophesied about the coming kingdom and how the new treasures that Jesus is the fulfillment of those prophecies. But aren't we sometimes asked too much to share this treasure? Can't we just keep our treasure in private? Can't you continue to keep it boxed up on the shelf where it will not get dirty or damaged? 
Now that we have this treasure that's been hidden in a field for so long, wouldn't it be best just to keep the treasure hidden? Can't I keep my faith private? Can't I keep it personal to me? Yes. Yes. Yes, you can do that. But it shows yourself on what you actually treasure. Because what you talk about, what heirloom you bring out of your heart to share with others, shows where your treasure lies. Look to the man who sells all he has to buy the treasure that's hidden in the field. Would he not then, after buying that field, go to all and share? Look at the treasure that was hidden in this field that I found. Look at this beautiful treasure that was here that somebody forgot about, that somebody put away, that somebody no longer loves or cherishes. Look at this treasure that I have. Look at the Apostle Paul. As Paul finds this treasure, and he then goes and shares it with all that he can to the point of being beaten so many times. being thrown into prison. The question here that we must ask ourselves is do we truly treasure the King? And we can know this by if we take the treasure out and share about it. Do you share to your loved ones about the kingdom? About the king? Do you take the opportunity to share the kingdom to those who are at work? Do you live as if you have found a treasure hidden in a field? What does it tell us if we are not willing to share our treasure? It tells us that we have another treasure. That we have an idol in our heart somewhere that we are not willing to part with. It could be something material. It could be something like comfort or status. Do you treasure Christ above all? Do you share your treasure with all those you can? If you have found yourself reflecting right now and the answer is no, no, or yes and no, you have a gracious God that you can come to right now and repent. Right now, you can come and ask for forgiveness. Right now, you can come and ask 
the God of mercies to reveal the idol in your heart that is preventing you from treasuring the kingdom. Right now. Do not waste this opportunity to treasure the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, You are a God of mercy. We thank You for Your kingdom. We thank You for Your King. Oh Lord, would we treasure You more. Amen.